0: long island accent the bob's burgers de- uh, what's her name uh, uh the Lynn, mom, linda Lynn. oh jesus christ i i love i love anybody who does that accent I it's love, really good i love I was, bob's burgers for that show yeah I'm your for that
1: impression accent. was pretty good oh yeah he hit me with that again Are we recording now? Oh, yeah, we're recording now. Oh, my
0: God, Bobby. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love all the Thanksgiving decorations.
1: This is exactly what people come here to listen to.
0: the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. (laughs) Oh, the turkey looks great.
1: Thank you for loving me. Anyway, enough about that. That's so good. I'm glad I brought that. Me too. That's a good way to start this episode of our paranormal and true crime podcast. Too scared to sleep. Welcome. Welcome. To another episode of Too Scared to Sleep. Before you think that it's going to be happy, just remember what our subject topic is. Oh yeah, we do some rough stuff, but we're bringing a really weird energy today.
0: We're bringing a really weird energy, even though our subject matter is dark. Oh yeah, and dreary. So let's talk about the top. Let's talk about. Um what are we talk about our episode title cuz you've already seen it by now Oh yeah I broke my leg comma she
1: broke my heart and then something else maybe who knows No we're going to I mean we'll talk about it for am
0: we're going to we're going to give it a little bit and then we're going to go on we're going to move on cuz we don't need to bring it down Alex broke up with me Yeah that's a yikes bud I'm 3 weeks sorry. into a broken leg leg was still swollen staples had just come out and she broke up with me, and it sucks. It really do be that way, bud. It sucks. It do suck. It hurts. But that's okay. You want to know why? Because there are other worlds than these.
1: Nice. And we're just gonna move on. That's all that we're gonna say about it because there's nothing else to say about it. Hell yeah! Hell and from yeah. now on, we're just gonna bring the fucking heat. Yes. So let's we're talk about in the th- fucking heat right now. <laughs> let's talk about the other thing.
0: When I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to be thinking of my life in in two, two distinct before and after moments. There was before I knew about
1: TikTok, and then yep. there was after I knew about TikTok. Absolutely. Because TikTok has changed my life. I have been trying to get him to download TikTok for so long so I don't have to keep saving these videos and then sending them to him on Snapchat, and he finally did it. Oh, my God comedy gold it's so good there's a okay there's a lot of cringe and there's a lot of weird gross stuff on tiktok but there's a lot of really really funny shit on tiktok (sighs) there's so much funny shit on tiktok that i'm just i'm just soaking it up so funny So good. It's really good. Also, I'm going to put you on blast for a second here. Uh, I found you on TikTok, and of course I followed you. And I looked through, because your profile, obviously you don't have any posts or anything. Don't have any posts. um, But at that point you were only following one account and that account was fucking weezer i'm an old guy are
0: you kidding me i'm an old man i remember weezer i was surprised that they had a tiktok i was like okay i'll follow them
1: i had no idea they had a tiktok i didn't
0: realize you were gonna be so judgmental about it
1: i like weezer too but i just thought it was so fucking funny that you a father of two just being all that you are the first fucking thing that you follow on tiktok is weezer what what should it have been like tattoo sluts or
0: something like that i i figured exactly i'll send you you some direct me to there there's no directory i don't know how to find things (laughs) you just have to you just have to look Should I hashtag that hashtag search that
1: tattoo sluts is that a thing (laughs) I have no idea. That and motorcycle videos, of course. I mo- the motorcycle thing was I thought where you were gonna go first. That's exactly where I went, but it was like,
0: hey, you want to follow these accounts? I don't know whether they're looking at my search history or they're looking at my, um, you know, my Spotify history. They suggested Weezer. I said, okay, I like Weezer. I'm an old guy.
1: I just think it's really funny. Mm. But yes, Jake is on TikTok, and it's my life wonderful. Will never be the same. Are you on TikTok right now? No, are you? No. <laughs> get off your phone. Get off your phone. You are looking at your phone telling me to get off of mine. I may
0: or may not already be texting another woman.
1: Ooh, wasting no time. Making those moves, son. There's no reason for me to waste time. You want to know why? I'll tell
0: you why. Because you're I was never in your Twilight relationship anyway, as I was reminded uh. two weeks ago. Yep. I've lost at least 10 pounds since I had my accident. Apparently all on my face. I'm not sure if you can see Yeah,
1: you do look a lot slimmer in your face. I,
0: apparently it was all in my cheeks and my neck because that's where it seems to have fallen off of me. And my beard has gone from baby beard to at least respectable, respectable beard. And let me tell you something. The women are after me. And I can't even walk right now.
1: And exactly. Still Imagine how much better it'll be when you walk correctly and you have a fixed motorcycle. Let's not talk about the fixed motorcycle. They don't need to know that it's broke, that it's wrecked right now. <laughs> you did explain at length last episode. Of course I, so. I did. Of course I did. Not everybody,
0: <clears throat> listen, not everybody who's going to be into us, into me, is going to be also into us and the podcast,
1: but that's okay. That's true. Even though Probably people do best, like me better. I
0: gushed and gushed and gushed
1: about you-know-who. Well, six episodes before this but you know what from here on out this is a boys club that's not true we are very inclusive and we would encourage anyone to be a part of our show that's right fuck toxic masculinity fuck toxic masculinity fuck pay fuck the patriarchy and you know what most of all fuck heartbreak this is a place of love and mutual understanding and trust between two brothers that also have a weird father-son thing. I don't quite understand it. I don't think anybody else does, too. But awkward. fuck it,
0: it's very awkward. I am just as close. I'm just as
1: close and text you as much as I text your dad. <laughs> that's so weird to me, but all right, that's cool. So I bridge the gap. You're both old. You need friends. I know.
0: That's right. We do need friends. We were talking about American American Graffiti, the last time we were
1: talking. Oh, yeah. So weird. All right, well, what else is going on with you, Dylan? Uh, Let's see. Well, I have managed to somewhat pull myself out of a weird depressive funk, so I've been cleaning my room most of today. In the last couple days I've been getting back on my art grind. Uh, but also, for some reason... My energy is at a weird level right now because I woke up at 2 p.m. today. I've been awake for five and a half hours right now, and my anxiety is through the fucking roof, and I have no idea why. It's a good thing you just drank a Dr. Pepper. Yep. That'll help. Oh, yeah. Calm down, Butters. Have another cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's where I'm at. Um, I'm saving up for a new motorcycle. Found one on Facebook Marketplace. We're really excited. It's really nice. Uh, it's almost exactly like my first choice which got sold a couple days ago and i'm still heartbroken about it mm-hmm. um but saving up some money for that trying to just live my life and vibe and hopefully get back on the art stuff so that i can start making some money from it let's talk about the other thing real quick though is that jake and i have new tattoos that's right and i'm very excited for the both of us i'm very excited about my new tattoos thank you for bringing me Aquafort. i was out Yes, you are welcome. And it feels
0: so damn good.
1: But Jake got some cool wrist tattoos, that's and they funny. say "thug life." Thug life. They don't exactly actually say "thug says. life."
0: Fuck bitches, make money. Yep, that's what it says. Well,
1: no, you got those tattooed under your eyes, right? I'm always tired. <laughs> <laughs> Love Post Malone. Man, what Post a guy! Post
0: Malone. I swear to God, he better, he better be saving his money. I've said that a thousand times. You have,
1: and he has continued to be successful. There, I don't think he has to worry. You think so? I think so. I don't know, man. All right, whatever. People probably said the same shit about Slayer, and Slayer's still fucking touring. I mean, not this year, obviously, but like, I went to a Slayer concert they a couple said the years same ago. Think
0: about Slayer.
1: Yeah, man. Think about Cisco and the Thong Song. You think
0: Cisco's selling anything out nowadays? I'm no He's fucking clue. He's probably doing like Mall of America in Minnesota. Maybe. That's what Cisco's doing. Cisco the Dragon, and his Thong Song. I wish I even knew who you were talking about. Exactly. You're so old. That's how, that's how obscure that is. And yet, the guy was like on everything, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Whatever. Okay, maybe, but, you know, we don't know. And I don't want to shit on
0: Post Malone. I just hope that he's making more wise choices with his money.
1: I feel like he's probably not, but he's making enough money and will probably continue to make enough money that he'll be okay. I hope so.
0: I do like his music.
1: He seems like a good guy.
0: Seems like the kind of guy we'd hang out with.
1: He does. That's why. Hey, Post Malone, if you're listening, you wanna hop on our show? Because, you know, we have like a hundred something listeners according to Anchor. That means we're basically famous. We are absolutely famous. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Alright, you ready for your topic? I believe I am ready for my topic, and I'm really, really excited to bring this one. Then do it. I am going to be talking about an exorcism, because I have not brought one of those since anne Lee's Michelle, I don't think. And this one I'm really excited about. It's been a long time since we've talked about an exorcism. It okay. has been. So I am talking about the exorcism of Roland Doe. Are you familiar? No. Good. So, Roland Doe is actually a pseudonym that was given to this kid. That's what I thought. Yeah, um, he was a 13 year old boy at the time, so they gave him the name Rolando, um, just and to John try and. Dope. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Set in an idyllic neighborhood of 1940s Washington, D.C., we see the Hungler family and their young son, who is referred to as Roland Doe, who is distraught over the death of his Aunt Harriet, who was a spiritualist and someone who passed her love, experience, and knowledge of the occult down to her 13-year-old nephew, with whom she even taught to use a Ouija board. So we are just kicking in the door. Oh, this, yeah, sounds buddy. Like
0: a cautionary, this sounds like every cautionary tale I've ever had to talk I've ever I've ever tried to present on this podcast. Not to mention everything that I've ever told you about messing with Ouija boards.
1: Oh yeah, and so you know what?
0: Reference back to season one when I said you should stay away from Ouija boards, and you didn't. Yeah, remember that said, time that I went a to a haunted
1: hotel, <laughs> and you did anyway. <laughs> and, and then, then you I came used back, it. and it made for a good fucking episode. Yeah, didn't but it? it
0: also made for a good cautionary tale. And all the time, and you told that story. I was like, see, what did I tell you?
1: Mm-hmm. I told you. I feel like it just encouraged me a little bit. Did it? Oh, yeah, man. If it encouraged you, then I failed as a father. You did. Obviously. That's on you. It is. All right. So in January 1949, shortly after the death of Aunt Harriet, young Roland begins having certain unexplained experiences. Including water dripping from unknown pipes within his room, scratching from under the floorboards of his room, and worst of all, his bed would move at random and shake violently with him in it. Of course it would. Of course it would. With these instances growing more frequent and more violent, the family sought the help of a number of specialists, doctors, psychologists, etc. Until finally, in February... With the permission of the Catholic Church, Father Albert Hughes came to the family home with the intention of performing an exorcism on the boy. His efforts were cut short, though, as during the ceremony, Roland broke off a piece of spring from his mattress and slashed the priest along the back, like between the shoulder blades. Yeah, man. It really doesn't waste any time getting real fucked. It's a good hallmark sign of... Demonic possession. Absolutely. Aversion, aversion towards religious iconography. Mm-hmm. And it does not end there. Not to mention all the, all the uh, preceding poltergeist material. Uh, oh, yes.
0: Experiences.
1: So after this, the paranormal experiences only got more frequent and more violent. A few days after his attempted exorcism, scratches started appearing on Roland's body that read, uh, Lewis l-o-u-i-s and the family took that as a sign to head for st louis and meet with family that they had in the area so while in st louis a cousin of theirs who worked for the st louis university got the family in touch with father walter h halloran and reverend william bowdern who with the help of several assistants and the permission of the university decided to perform a complete exorcism Early in March of that same year, the group traveled to the home where Roland was staying in St. Louis and confirmed what they had been told. They saw horrible scratches on the boy's body and witnessed the bed shaking violently. All the things that had been happening over the course of the last three months. Mm-hmm. According to the reports of Halloran and Bowdern, they witnessed these occurrences only at night. During the day, Roland was perfectly fine, but come nightfall, Roland would fall into screaming fits and violent outbursts, and the bizarre occurrences would begin again. As time went on, the outbursts and paranormal happenings got increasingly more intense. Objects began flying around the room at the priests. Roland would enter a trance and speak in a low, guttural voice as he screamed and cursed the priests. And he would react violently and hatefully towards any religious iconography. At one point, they witnessed a large scratch in the shape of an X appear on Roland's chest. Most of these things happened every night for months on end, with the priest seeing a lot of this weird shit going down. Another intense incident, which was reported by not only the priests, but the assistants as well, was the appearance of a red pitchfork-shaped mark appearing on Roland's thigh and snaking down to his ankle. Of course. All of these things and the intensity of the activity led the priests to believe that he was possessed by up to ten demons. This went on for weeks with Roland even urinating all over his bed, violently cursing the priests, and saying that he knew Satan would always be with him. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah! Yeah, this kind of stuff sounds like it's straight out of a fucking movie, man. Like the intensity and like how just hardcore it is. He's already attacked one priest, he's pissing on himself, he's screaming, and he's slashing at shit cursing priests it's fucking wild but on april 18th so this is about four months after the start of this roland woke from his sleep in a horrible seizure the priest and assistants ran into the room. they started praying laying crucifixes rosaries and medals on him uh, and at about 10:45 that night, the priests yelled to Satan and said that St. Michael would destroy him on a glorious battlefield and win back the boy's soul. Hmm. Yes, which all tracks for an exorcism, I guessed. Um, but after only a few minutes, Roland came out of his trance and said that he saw a vision of St. Michael killing the devil in an amazing feat of strength.
0: Very impressive.
1: So the priests kept close watch on Roland for a while um, after this particular instance. And I should say, at this point, he is in a hospital room. They've transferred him from the house that he was staying in in St. Louis over to, um, let me see the name of the hospital real quick. Nah, it doesn't matter. But he's in the hospital room right now. So he has nurses that are watching him, along with the priests and the assistants that have come with them for this expedi- Expedition. So, they kept a close watch on him for a while after he came out of that trance, um, but there was never another reported incident of violent outbursts or paranormal activity. The boy known as Roland Doe was free from his position. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it lasted four months and it, with just increasing intensity, but finally, it was done. There was a breakthrough. There was, but that's not quite the end of the story. Oh, no. So later that year, there was an article published in the Washington Post giving a less detailed account of what had happened to Roland and how the priests had helped this young boy, sparking interest nationwide before ultimately lying no for another two decades or so. Until a man by the name of William Peter Blatty took 1971 by storm with his hit novel, The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. which spawned the iconic 1973 horror movie of the same name. All of which was loosely based on the exorcism of Roland Doe, as per the notes and diaries of the two priests that he got his hands on. So this is the exorcism that inspired The Exorcist, which is a fucking radical movie. It is a radical movie so obviously the story of young Reagan and the exorcist took many liberties with the story but there was actually quite a bit that remained true to the story Uh, with many of the reports of what the priest saw being used directly into the film they added a lot of dialogue and some of the more exaggerated things Mm -hmm. Um, it was pretty funny that I was reading an article about like the difference and something that they felt the need to say was also Roland it it was never reported that Roland Doe used a crucifix to masturbate and I was like I didn't assume so (laughs) but cool thanks for making sure i knew that's a painful movie and that's a painful moment in that movie oh yeah there's a lot of painful moments in that movie but that one especially we've already talked about the exorcist ellen Burstyn was hurt in a in a in a stunt scene um linda blair was hurt in a stunt scene and linda blair's kind of weird like as an adult i think that movie kind of fucked her up Mm -hmm. even though they used a stunt lady for a lot of what reagan did She still had to be a part of a lot of that. And I'm sure she saw that movie. And obviously, like, the outcry from that movie all coming directly at her. That's gotta fuck somebody up. Yeah, it messed her up. I feel pretty bad for her.
0: She turned out to be crazy. A little kooky.
1: Yeah. But, anyway, between... Uh, a feature film and the best-selling book interest has remained into this case even today while the true identity and whereabouts of roland are completely unknown to the public we do know what happened to the hospital he stayed in and the family's homes would you like to hear what happened yes all right so the room in the alexian brothers hotel where roland stayed had actually gotten sealed off sealed off and boarded up shortly after his exorcism and departure from the hospital they wasted like no time just boarding that shit up and never using that room again but in 1978 they actually tore down the entire hospital and it no longer exists it's probably for the best probably for the best let's be honest But the house that they stayed in in Maryland was abandoned shortly after they had moved out in the 60s and was subsequently torn down and left an empty lot. I don't know if there's any construction on that yet, but last I saw uh, from the articles I was reading, it's just an empty lot. Um, However, their original home on Roanoke Drive was sold in 2005 to a new family who were potentially still living happily there. But... The original house that inspired the story of The Exorcist is on Roanoke Drive somewhere. I didn't get the address because I don't want to put them on blast like that. Mm-hmm. It is still there, and it was for sale 15 years ago. Maybe Jesus it'll be for sale soon. God. Hey, Jake, do you want to buy a house with me? I yeah. don't want to buy that house with you. Damn it. Well, anyway... Two out of the three main places in this just got demolished. They do not exist anymore. As for the best. Oh, probably so. I'd imagine that that was all sorts of bad juju up in there. But that was the exorcism of Roland Doe. You did not disappoint with that. Thank you very much. That's scary as shit. I fucking loved reading about this. It was so cool. And it was cool watching it progress. Because I was thinking about The Exorcist a while ago. And I thought that I had heard that it was based on a true story. So I wanted to find it. And I did. And it was cool watching the progression go versus where that happened in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually the location of the movie, or like the setting, is the same as the real story. Which I thought was pretty cool too. Um, But they did keep quite a bit of the stuff that they heard from roland in the actual movie and just dramatized it a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, but i mean everything from like the cuts all over the body the screaming and the low voice Mm -hmm. the shaking of the bed shit flying around the room just really cool It was a super cool story and i had a lot of fun researching it i was really excited to bring this one that thing where the possessed person
0: crawls up the side of the wall that's got to be the scariest fucking shit ever oh yeah that's fucking weird and i remember somebody uh, a youth pastor when i was a kid said that he actually saw someone do that at a youth camp crawled up the side of the wall
1: oh that's very good oh, i know that's quite <laughs> good i would love to see that that would be like top tier shit Oof, creepy oh my goodness
0: how do you go to sleep after that? <laughs> I, well,
1: I don't know. With How do you gun? go to sleep
0: with the lights off? Because I would always be wondering if someone's in the
1: corner. Probably. The just like the, in. Just like in hereditary. Just like in hereditary. You, you knew, knew it was going to come back, listeners. Absolutely. We can't go this long without talking about hereditary. But yeah, or she's just like chilling in the corner of the room and just skitters along. Oof. Fucking love it. Fucking scary. Oh, man, good I'm shit. Go that movie. All right. That's it? Yeah, that is the story of Rolando. Cool. All right. Well, we'll take a short break, and I'll be back with mine. I can hear the TikTok noises, Jake. I can hear the TikTok audios. I'm going to see how far into this recording we can get before Jake realizes that I'm recording and continues to be on TikTok. I know that you're (laughs) recording, and I know that I'm on TikTok, and I know that we can edit it out. Mm -hmm. You mean I can edit it out?
0: No, I'll edit this episode will you yes i will i don't care i'll edit it all right well, we're back after a short quick break are you ready to hear my topic i
1: was born okay, ready
0: we're gonna talk about scott peterson scott peterson scott peterson spoiler alert scott peterson murdered his wife oh that's quirky <laughs> isn't it god for no good fucking reason all right all right so we're going to talk about Scott and Lacey Peterson and the trial and the murder
1: of his wife and all that shit, because it was all over the news. Did you say his wife's name was Lacey? And his
0: name was Lacey.
1: Ah, it's my sister's name. What? That's creepy. Yep. For the record, please don't kill my sister. No,
0: nobody's going to kill your sister. Okay, cool. So, Scott Peterson was born in 1972. Lived with his dad, lived with his mom, lived with his stepdad, lived with his dad he started playing golf at a very early age and oh, gross. Was, as a result of the time he spent. With, he spent time with his dad playing golf. By the time he was at 14 years of age, he could already beat his father at golf. Right. I don't know exactly. I don't play golf. So I'm like, okay, well that sounds amazing. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's a white guy's thing to do.
1: Let's go play golf, son. I've never played golf. So Promise I'm not me. that level Promise of me white. You never will.
0: I won't. That's right. There you go. All right. So, for a while there, he wanted to become a professional golfer. He went to um, he went to the University of San Diego, and he yes 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 and he went to school with Phil Mickelson at the same time. That sounds like a familiar name. Phil Mickelson is a professional golfer, oh, so okay. they were competing all the time, right? Oh, in high school they competed in they competed uh, in golf, and then he Scott Peterson. Enrolled at Arizona State also, where Phil Mic- Mickelson was. Scott Peterson was on a partial golf scholarship, right? Cool, 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 So cool, cool, cool. there's a competing. lot of golf talk. Right, there's a lot of golf talk at the beginning of this. I don't even know why I brought this up. It's this so stupid. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they were competing. Mickelson was the better golfer. So at some point, Peterson got kicked out of school. Um, he got kicked off the golf team, and so then he left the school. He ended up graduating from Cal Poly, and he got a he got a degree in agricultural business. Okay, that favors him in the in the future. Okay. So while he's there in college, now if you if you Google a photo of
1: Scott Peterson, he's a pretty good looking guy. Right. Let's find a photo of Scott Peterson. He's got the world. Man. And
0: he's got the world in front of him. He's got oh, he's got all this potential. He's a white guy. Fuck those guys.
1: Yeah. Fuck white guys. Fuck you and fuck your golf. Oh, Jesus. He looks like the kind of guy who would play golf and murder his wife. Jesus Doesn't he? Christ. He looks
0: exactly like the kind of guy who would play golf and then murder his wife in a horrible, gruesome fashion. Because that's what he did.
1: Yeah. Fucking asshole. Fuck this clown. Fuck this ass clown. Anyway.
0: Okay. So he's at Cal Poly. He's in college. He's living his Chad life. He was working at a restaurant. And one of his co-workers... Um, had, a, had a neighbor named Lacey Rocha and she would come and hang out at the, um, at the, at the restaurant. She also went to Cal, Cal Poly. They met mid-1994 and Lacey was actually the one who gave Scott her phone number. Ooh. Right. Wow. what a girl, Lacey. <clears throat> Immediately after meeting him, Lacey told her mother that she had met the man that she would marry. Oh, poor girl. Peterson called her up. They began dating. Their first date was a deep-sea fishing trip on which Lacey got seasick. Oh, pobrecita! As Peterson's relationship with Lacey grew more serious, he put aside his dreams of professional golf in order to focus on a business career. They dated for two years and eventually moved in together in 97. After Lacey graduated, they married. While Peterson finished his senior year, Lacey took a job nearby. Around this time, um, Peterson
1: engaged in the first of at least two extramarital affairs oh goody he also looks like the kind of guy who would cheat on his wife before murder he perfectly good wife Jesus Christ man I don't understand these guys I have no fucking clue
0: how people do that shit I don't know man I don't know I mean I I, I go I go back and forth on this but it doesn't matter a lot of this as I was reading this I was reading about him and then I was reading about the case I thought to myself this is there's a lot of it that reminds me of that movie Gone Girl oh yeah that was really good to begin with yeah there's a lot that, that reminds me of this. Because in the movie, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Yeah, of course I, I have. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to it. We can talk about it in a little bit. So Peterson eventually graduates a bachelor with a ba- BS, Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Business, in, in 98. Whoa. He graduated the same year from uh, at that I started college. After the graduations. Oh, yeah. He was born in 72. So he's seven years older than I am at this time. The Petersons opened up a sports bar in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. The Shack. Yes. When the couple had difficulty finding a technician to install a needed vent in the restaurant, Peterson took the necessary certification course in L.A. in order to install it himself. That's what he kind of, you know, he was kind of a go-getter. Nice guy. Business was initially slow, but eventually improved, especially on the weekends. They ended up selling The Shack in 2000, and they moved to Modesto, California to start a family.
1: Cool, 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 cool. Let's see here. Lacey. Talk louder. You're really quiet. Really? Yeah. Okay. You have, like, no energy. I do have energy. No, but, it, like, the way it's coming through, you're like, do and you need then you to, I need to restart. Thing. No, it's fine. I'll fix that. What is it? We have to bring our Hail Satan. Hail, Hail, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. All right. Hail Satan.
0: Here it comes. All right. So the next thing that happens is that Lacey takes a part-time job as a substitute teacher. Now, her family, because this was well-documented, Including her mother and younger sister related that she worked enthusiastically at being the perfect housewife. She cooked, she entertained, she did everything that she needed to. Despite all this, her piece of shit husband was cheating on her. Fucking of course he was. This fucking bastard. In 2002, she announces to everybody that she's pregnant with their first child. So excited. This should be the most exciting moment of your life. It should be. Right? In what November of 2002, when Lacey was seven months pregnant, Peterson was introduced by a friend to a Fresno massage
1: therapist ah. named Amber Frey. Now... You gonna fucking cheat on your pregnant wife, with man? With a massage therapist? With a massage therapist? You can't even be original about this, it. I
0: know, I was about to say, that is so, just, so stereotypical.
1: Really? A massage therapist? Fucking God. God damn it. This guy is I'm the sure epitome that of he, white he. I'm sure bang.
0: that he, at some point, told one of those, are you going to give me a happy ending?
1: Sort of cliche jokes. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how she managed to say yes to that. And fuck this guy, Fuck this guy. Okay, so in
0: later public statements, Amber Frey told Peterson that that he was single and the two began a romantic relationship. Last time Lacey Peterson's parents saw her was during a three-day weekend they spent together in Carmel, California the week before Christmas. That was the last time they saw her. Ah, Jesus. That's right. This is about what to get... This is about to get dark. So on December 23rd, 2002, Peterson and Lacey went to a salon where Lacey's sister Amy Rocha worked because they needed haircuts. Now as they spoke, Rocha said Peterson offered to pick up a fruit basket that she had ordered for her grandfather as the Christmas gift the next day because he would be playing golf at a course nearby. So he says, okay, it's Christmas Eve the next day. I can go and get this fruit basket because I'm going to be over there playing golf. Prosecutors say Peterson also told other people he would be be playing golf on Christmas Eve, right? Mm -hmm. So he's establishing an alibi. Of course he is. Later that evening, Susan Rocha, oh, Sharon Rocha, Lacey's mother, spoke with Lacey on the telephone around 8.30 p.m., right? Okay. So Peterson later told police that the last time he saw his wife was about 9.30 a.m. on December 24th when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Mm-hmm. So he's telling everybody the day before that he's going to go golfing. And then he tells the police that he's going to, that he was going to go fishing.
1: This fucking idiot this can't even trash. keep his own fucking That's alibi straight. straight. He said Lacey was watching a cooking
0: television show, but was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk the family dog to a nearby park. Later that morning, a female neighbor of the Petersons says she found the Petersons' dog, a golden retriever named Mackenzie. Again! With the stereotypical fucking white guy bullshit. Damn it! The fucking golden I retriever. I play golf. I got a business degree from Cal Poly.
1: God, I'm I had cheating a on my bar. wife more
0: than once. I cheated on my wife with a massage therapist, and we've got a golden retriever named Mackenzie.
1: What, what
0: the, the fuck is this? God, I wish that he had been murdered. I really do. Oh okay. yeah. So McKenzie's running around. <laughs> The neighbor returns the dog to the backyard between 10 o'clock, about 10.10 and 10.17. About a half an hour later, shortly around, shortly after 10.45, another neighbor said he found Mackenzie wandering the neighborhood with a muddy leash and also returned him to the Peterson's yard. So Scott Peterson says he returned home that afternoon and found it empty. Peterson found Mackenzie in the backyard and Lacey's 1996 Land Rover Discovery was in the driveway. He thought nothing of it. So he showered and washed his clothes because he said he told them that he'd got wet from fishing.
1: Uh
0: Showered and washed his clothes. Of course he did. Of course he did. All right. So, news reports later would report that Peterson reported his wife missing from their Modesto home. However, a newspaper, the New York Post, reported that when Lacey still had not returned home by 5.15, Peterson called his mother-in-law and that half an hour later, Lacey's stepfather... Call the police. So there's two different stories there. The Modesto, California newspaper, The Bee, also attributes the first call of the police to the stepdad. Lacey was seven and a half months pregnant with a due date of February 10th, 2003. The couple had planned to name the baby boy Connor. This favors heavily in the end of the story when it gets really fucking dark. The exact date and cause of Lacey's death were never determined. Lacey was reported missing on Christmas Eve and the story attracted nationwide media interest. After police arrived at the Peterson's home that night, Lacey's keys, wallet, and sunglasses were found in her purse in a closet. The dining room table was meticulously set for a family dinner the following night. One detective found a phone book on a kitchen counter open to a full-page ad for a defense lawyer. Oh my fucking God, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Peterson was reported to be completely calm. Modesto police detectives John Bueller and Alvin Brockney the lead investigators on the case questioned Scott Peterson that evening. Although Scott initially said he had spent the day golfing, he later told the police that he'd gone fishing for Sturgeon at the Berkeley Marina. Again, he told people... can't keep his fucking white people shit straight. He can't keep his fucking white people thing straight. Why doesn't he just tell them that he went to fucking Hobby Lobby for some live, laugh, love stencils for the kitchen? <laughs> God damn. Fuck this guy, man. God, I don't mean to be this way. I'm just telling you. Okay, so at 2.15... I absolutely mean to be this way. Oh, yeah. He deserves it. <laughs> At 2.15, he left a message for Lacey stating stating Now, let me see. What year was this? 1990... No, 2002. He might have had a cell phone. She might have had a cell phone. He says, Hey, beautiful. It's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley. Peterson stated that he went fishing about 90 miles from the couple's Modesto home. Detectives immediately launched a search, but were surprised by Scott Peterson's behavior. One of the, uh, one of the detectives later told the news... The, years later told the news station i suspected scott when i first met him didn't mean he did it but i was a little thrown off by his calm cool demeanor and his lack of questioning he wasn't asking normal questions like will you call me back can i have one of your cards what are you guys doing now as if he wasn't concerned about the entire investigation or his missing wife again this parallels the movie and the book gone girl yeah it does it really does because at the beginning you know the ben affleck character this really i mean it the whole thing if you read and do some research on the Scott Peterson thing and then you watch Gone Girl, you're like, oh, my God, they, they pulled it straight from here. Yeah. They really do, including the massage therapist uh, 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 affair thing. Okay. So Modesto police did not immediately, immediately reveal to the public that Peterson was a suspect, largely because Lacey's family and friends maintained their faith in his innocence during the month following her disappearance. Again, just like on Gone Girl. The police did treat the case as suspicious within the first few hours after the missing person's report was filed. Eventually, the police grew more suspicious of Peterson due to inconsistencies in his story, which we already know. Then, on January 17, 2003, so almost a month later, it became known that Peterson engaged in two other extramarital affairs prior to Amber Frey. So then Amber Frey approaches the police about Peterson, who had denied to police that he was having an affair. She told detectives that she met Peterson on November 20th, a month before Lacey disappears, and that he had initially told her she was single. After they had begun dating, however, she became to she came to suspect to, she came to suspect that he was married and confronted him on December 9th about this. Frey related to the detective, he said he lost his wife. This would be the first holiday he was without his wife. Ooh. Oof.
1: That's not good. That's not good.
0: At a January 24, 2003 press conference, a month after, the Rocha family publicly withdrew their support of Peterson, explaining that they did this upon learning of his affair with Frey. Uh, Amber Frey came came forward too, and you can see that there, there's footage of this where she talks about how she was having an affair. In particular, upon seeing photos of Peter Peterson and Frey together, Lacey's brother stated that although Peterson had admitted to an affair a year earlier, uh, in a phone conversation, following Lacey's, following Lacey's disappearance, Peterson had ceased communication with the Rocha family in regard to what had happened to her. They later said that they were ang- not, angered not by the affair, but by the fact that Peterson had told Frey that he had lost his wife on December 9th, 2002, 14 days before she disappeared, and that he would be spending his first Christmas without her.
1: Yeah, that's rough.
0: That's yeah, that's a damning statement to have said. Yeah. And no again, shit. this is like in Gone Girl, where the, where the mistress comes out and publicly, publicly tells people that she's been having an affair with the, with the Ben Affleck character. Police later speculated whether this was an indication that Peterson had already decided to kill Lace, Lacey, which Sharon Rocha agreed was a possibility. Frey allowed police detectives to secretly, secretly record her subsequent phone conversations with Peterson in the hopes of getting him to confess. Now, during the trial that follows, the audio recordings of the po- couple's telephone conversations were played and the transcripts were publicized. Ooh. The recordings r- revealed that in the days after Lacey went missing, Peterson told Frey that he had traveled to Paris to celebrate the holidays in parts with his new companions, Pasqu- Pascal and Francois.
1: This the fucking foot. Chad thought the of the foot. most...
0: Like stereotypical comical French names for these fictional guys, that he so he tells her that he's out of that he's out of the country. He's in Paris spending the holidays with his new friends Pascal and Francois. In reality, he had made one of these phone calls minutes before attending the New Year's Eve candlelight vigil for Lacey and Modesto. Are you fucking kidding me? Further cementing his status as a total piece of shit
1: what a fucking asshole <laughs> no oh god here it goes are you ready for this i am ready for this on april
0: 13th 2003 five months after Lacey has gone missing a couple walking their dog found the decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus in a marshy area of the san francisco bay area shore just that- north of berkeley
1: Uh, the fetus's umbilical
0: cord was still attached. Although a judge sealed the autopsy results, an anonymous associated press source revealed that one and a half loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and a significant cut was on the fetus's body. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. One day later, a passerby found the torso. Not the head. The head was gone. The decom They found the decapitated torso of a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra on the eastern shore of the same bay, along a rocky shoreline in the same park, one mile away from where the baby's body was found. The corpse was decomposed to the point of being almost unrecognizable as a human body, and the head, arms, most of the legs, and all the internal organs except for the uterus were missing.
1: What the fuck?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? hmm So, they do some DNA testings. The result of the DNA test verified that the bodies were Lacey Peterson and her son Connor. According to the autopsy, Connor's skin was not decomposed at all, though the right side of his body was mutilated, and the placenta and the umbilical cord were not found with the body. Lacey's cervix was intact. The exact date and cause of Lacey's death were never re- determined. She had suffered two cracked ribs, though... Um, the coroner could not determine if this occurred before or after her death. Her upper torso had been emptied of internal organs except for the uterus, which protected the fetus, explaining the lower level of decomposition it experienced. The coroner also determined that the fetus had been expelled from Lacey's decaying body, though he could not determine whether it was alive or dead when this occurred, which we hear about coffin deaths like that. Coffin births is what it's called. Yeah. If a woman dies and she has a baby still in her, The decomposition gases can expel the body from the mother Mm -hmm. and cause a coffin birth and so basically that's what happened as well so the discovery of the bodies created a greater sense of urgency for the detectives who were in charge of the investigation they had put a tracker on peterson's car knowing that he was in san diego at the time which is very close to tijuana mexico like right across the border yeah they feared he would escape One of the lead detectives talked about it in 2017 when he did this interview. I just thought, we've got to find Scott right now. He told me he was there, and that's where the bodies come up. I mean, I believe it was premeditated. He planned it. San Diego was pretty darn close to the Mexican border. Scott knew the area pretty well. That's where his parents lived. That's where he lived. So it wasn't like he was going to have to get on MapQuest to try to figure out a way to get to Tijuana. Yeah. So, the FBI and the modesto police department performed forensic searches of peterson's home the fbi also conducted mitochondrial dna testing on a hair from the pliers found in peterson's fishing boat that linked them with hairs recovered from Lacey's hairbrush the authorities also searched peterson's pickup truck toolbox warehouse and boat after peterson was peterson was arrested police conducted further searches in the bay in in an attempt to locate handmade concrete anchors they believed weighed down Lacey's body while it was underwater but nothing was found okay? mm. so you've got all of this circumstantial evidence yeah but you don't have a lot of concrete evidence you don't have a murder weapon you don't have um, you know you haven't found any blood you haven't really found a crime scene you haven't find it, you haven't found any evidence of what he did to her you know no bloody knife no concrete anchors none of that stuff no rope. Yeah. You know, you don't have rope in the in the in the truck or in the boat that's got that matches the fibers that you found on the body or anything like that, right? Peterson was arrested on April 18th, 2003, near near a La Jolla golf course. This motherfucker and his fucking golf. Back to the fucking you're wise He's is still playing dead, golf. Boss. This piece of shit is still playing golf. I will never play golf,
1: goddammit. it. Don't do it. It's not he told police, it. god piece of shit.
0: He told police that he was meeting with his father and brother for a game of golf. Of course he was. Fucking Chad. His naturally dark brown hair had been dyed blonde and his Mercedes Benz was overstuffed with miscellaneous items, including nearly $15,000 in cash, 12 Viagra tablets, survival gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, and his brother's driver's license in addition to his own driver's license. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Peter's father, what is that? Peterson's father explained that he'd used his brother's license the day before to get a di- uh, San Diego resident discount at the golf course. So he'd been playing golf the day before, motherfucker. And that Peterson had been living out of his car because of the media attention. However, police suspected these items were an indication that Peterson planned to flee to Mexico. And yeah, no da- shit. An idea which prosecutors would later concur. A single hair was the only piece of forensic evidence that was identified. The hair, matched through DNA comparison to the hair from Lacey's hairbrush, was stuck to the pliers on Peterson's boat. That's all they found. That's all the forensic evidence that they have. Damn. So if they're going to get a murder conviction, it's got to be on all circumstantial evidence. It's an uphill battle. So as far as circumstantial evidence is concerned, the fact that Peterson changed his appearance and purchased a vehicle using his mother's name in order to avoid recognition was brought into play... Um, They also brought in the fact that he had added two pornographic television channels to his cable service only days after his wife's disappearance. What the fuck? What a piece of shit, Chad. The prosecution stated that this meant he knew she would not be returning home. Peterson expressed interest in selling the house he had shared with Lacey and traded her Land Rover in for a Dodge pickup truck i used to sell dodge pickup trucks
1: yeah you did oh, maybe you know sold anymore. one to him no right.
0: i sold one to plenty of guys just like
1: it gross shit. Oh, i wonder real quick segue i wonder how many people you've sold a truck to have or will use it for the purpose of disposing a body like a human body oh my god Can do you ever you think imagine? about that
0: like maybe one of those things where like oh my
1: god i sold that i sold that truck and now it's being used in a crime right do you ever think about the weight of your actions or the fact that everything you do has consequences? Everything I do does have consequences. It's the butterfly effect thing. Exactly. You, you are the reason somebody is out there murdering their wife right now and they're going to go play golf, Jake. That's Ted on Bundy you. saved
0: two people from drowning when he was a lifeguard and he worked at a suicide hotline.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that. I mean, God. <laughs> Just uh, think about that. But basically, any blood is on your hands from no, this point it's forward. Not.
0: It's not my fault. They would have bought it from someone else and they will buy from someone else now because I don't have that job anymore. All right. So, Peterson's defense lawyer's lawyers based their case on a lack of direct evidence and played down the the significance of the circumstantial evidence. They suggested that the fetal remains were of a full-term infant and theorized that someone kidnapped Lacey, held her until she gave birth and then bo- and then dumped both bodies in the bay. The prosecution's medical experts Contended that the baby was not full time and died at the same time of his mother as his mother. Now, here's something that is important. Mm-hmm. At some point in two thousand four, President George Bush, the second, W, Dubya, passed a federal law that said that you could be tried for the murder of an unborn fetus. Okay. Okay. And this is tricky because you think about the fact that. The whole idea of abortion being legal in the United States is the fact that the child's birth does not that the that the life does not begin at conception; the life begins at birth. Yeah, right. That's that's one of the hallmark arguing points. Pro choice versus pro life, that yeah. sort of thing. So, this is the ability for a prosecuting for for prosecutors to be able to not only charge. Scott Peterson with the murder
1: of his wife, but the murder of his unborn child as well. Okay. In so, this particular instance, I think good, fuck this guy. He should be charged for th- this murder and this murder. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, I think abortion should be legal cuz like it's the woman's choice, whatever. You should
0: never use this as your as your precedent. Because how often does this happen? Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing about that. Okay. So, Yeah. So the prosecution is saying one thing. Um, The prosecution is saying the baby was not full term and died at the same time as the mother. The defense lawyers are trying to say that, that Lacey was kidnapped. There's no evidence of kidnapping. Yeah. There was no sign of struggle. Her car and her things were left. There was never any note, no ransom note, none of that shit. Okay, so then... The uh, the defense calls this guy named Charles March, who was a fertility specialist, and he was supposed to be a crucial witness for them. One who, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, could single-handedly exonerate Peterson by showing that Lacey's fetus died a week after the prosecutors claimed. Now, I remember this in the um, in the news reports and when I would listen to it, because they would always talk about the baby as being a fetus instead of being a child. Yeah. Because, again, it's a it's a pro-choice pro-life sort of thing anyway just thought i would just press that in there okay so he's gonna say that the fetus died a week after prosecutors claimed but under cross examination march admitted basing his findings not on fact but on an anecdote from one of Lacey's friends that she had taken a home pregnancy test on june 9th, 2002 so he's trying to say that she wasn't as pregnant as she said she was Mm -hmm. when prosecutors pointed out that no medical records relied on the june june 9th date March, this guy, became flustered and confused on the stand and asked a prosecutor to cut him some slack, undermining his credibility. Summing up this key defense witness, Stan Goldman, a criminal law professor at Loyola Loyola Law School in Los Angeles, said, There were moments today that reminded me of Chernobyl. According to one newspaper account on March's testimony, by the end of his testimony, legal analysts and jurors closed their notebooks, rolled their eyes, and snickered when they thought no one was looking. So their crack key defense witness just melted on the stand.
1: Just shit the bed he entirely. He shit the
0: fucking bed.
1: Good oh for my him. god! Good fucking god! So the
0: prosecution presented Peterson's affair with Frey, financial problems, and his impending fatherhood as murder as motives for the murder, surmising that he killed Lacey due to increasing debt and a desire to be single again. This Still makes fucking, no fucking
1: piece of shit,
0: though. I mean, just leave your wife if that's what you want to do. Right!
1: You don't have to fucking kill her! Kill a pregnant woman?
0: Jesus. Fucking serious right now? So, this all culminated in November two, no, November 12th, 2004, when the jury convicted Peterson of two counts of murder, first-degree murder with special circumstances for killing Lacey, and second-degree mur- second murder for killing the fetus that she carried the penalty phase started up three weeks later and concluded on december 13 when the jury rendered a sentence of death mm. the judge followed the jury's verdict sentencing peterson to death by lethal injection and ordering him to pay ten thousand dollars towards the cost of Lacey's funeral calling the murder of Lacey cruel uncaring heartless and callous in later press appearances members of the jury stated that they felt that peterson's demeanor specifically his lack of emotion, and the phone calls to Frey in the days following Lacey's disappearance indicated that he was guilty. Because, I mean, keep keep in mind, there was hardly any forensic evidence. There was only circumstantial. Yeah. And yet they got a double murder conviction.
1: That's pretty fucking impressive Mm -hmm. and compelling, which is is not surprising, because this dude just seems like the kind of fucking guy who would do this. And he
0: looked, I mean, he did everything that you could to look guilty apart from, like, you know, Getting caught dumping the body. Exactly. That's about the only thing that he didn't do. Yeah. He's got his hair colored. He's got all that shit
1: packed up in his Mercedes. He's golfing. Yeah. Oh Gotten rid of his wife's shit already. Oh my God, Bobby. It's so horrible.
0: All right. Oh so they, The jurors based their verdict on hundreds of small puzzle pieces of circumstantial evidence that were revealed during the trial, from the location of Lacey's body to the myriad lies of her husband told about her disappearance. The jury decided on the death penalty because they felt that... Peterson betrayed his responsibility to protect his wife and son. So Fast forward on August 24th of this year, 2020. Oh. Now this guy has been in prison for 16 years at this point. In a 7-0 decision, the Supreme Court of California... Oh, that was the thing. They they upheld Peterson's conviction, but overturned his death sentence. Oh, and okay. And so they're going to have to decide what to do with him. Like, how many more years to make him serve. All of them. Oh yeah, he should get life. But it's going to basically have to go back to court to decide that. But that is the story of Lacey and
1: Scott Peterson. Fucking Chad. Wait, what happened in this year?
0: That's when they overturned his. They overturned his death oh, sentence. Oh okay okay yeah. I, yeah August twenty fourth. Like <clears throat> what? Two months ago. Yeah. Last month. Last month. Last month they overturned his death sentence. Damn. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Oh also um what is it? Uh, Lacey's mom had filed a civil suit against him because um, Scott had a huge like, $150,000 life insurance policy in Lacey's name. And she sued him so that he wouldn't be able to get that money.
1: Good. Good for mm. her. Fuck this And clown. they also
0: sued him so that he would not be able to um, sell the rights
1: to his story. Good. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, man. Take Everything away from this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I mean, he's, what, 47 years
0: old? He's like 47 years old at this point. He's been in prison for 16 years now. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. But that's the story. Damn.
1: That's fucked what up, a way man. To ruin your life. Right? Wait, What a way to ruin your wife's life. Makes no fucking sense. Not just your life and your wife's life, which you've now stolen, but like everybody fa- her family mm-hmm. you know and, and it fucking sucks because like in the beginning they were saying that he was innocent and then it was like oh by the way he's also cheated on your daughter three twice, different at times least twice
0: oh no three times yeah because the recent one the massage therapist came forward and told us Mm-hmm. yeah it's disgusting yeah there's all sorts of stuff on him they did a whole <laughs> they did a made for tv movie on him oh my god Dean Cain playing Scott Peterson did they really yeah oh Jesus <laughs> I'm sure it's horrible if it's got Dean Kane in it, that poor guy.
1: He can't catch a break. He can't catch a break. No, he's okay. Anyway, so that's it. Wow. Fucked up shit, man. Mm-hmm. Didn't Good Dean topic. Cain
0: play Kara zor adopted father in Supergirl?
1: Along with Helen Slater? The show? The show. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure. sure. Dean Kane. Let's see what this that's clown's up to we're getting better at these fucking podcasts
0: look at the time we did not darling. we did not dilly dally
1: no we didn't we're at we're 59 minutes so 59 we're right there
0: minutes.
1: dean kane was in that god's not dead movie and yes he was in the supergirl show i told you yeah and i
0: will say this about the berlanti universe and you know how i feel about this but i love how they do that kind of stuff like they bring, yeah. they bring they bring people back. Like the fact that they have Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in the Supergirl movie, mm-hmm. playing the mother, and then you have Dean kane who played Superman in Lois and Clark. Yeah, and, and
1: uh, too. Oh, shit. What is her name? The original Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, Linda Linda Carter. Linda Carter. She's the president in Supergirl. Oh, that's Or great. she was. I love it. And I'm pretty sure her character ended up being an alien. <laughs> of course, it's pretty funny. <laughs> was she like a um, white
0: Martian or something?
1: something like that i don't know i didn't really watch that much of supergirl neither did i that was not a show for me not really i think that there were a lot of good elements to it it just couldn't hold my attention but i fucking love arrow (laughs) arrow is so good
0: man i was into the flash for a bit but then i got out of it Really, it sucks though because I mean, the crisis on Infinite Earths was really cool.
1: God, Crisis on Infinite Earths was fucking awesome, and that was the epitome of like them bringing back all the old people. You'd fucking have Ezra Miller's The Flash Mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. You get, I'm drawing a blank on everybody's name, Tom Welling, Tom Welling,
0: and uh, Erica Durantz, yeah, who both um, played Lois and Clark in Smallville. mm -hmm. You've got Kevin Conroy playing an evil
1: Bruce Wayne, fucking radical. It's so cool. You get, um... Go ahead. Keep going. Fucking... What's wrong with you right now? I have no you idea, having a right now? I think I'm having a stroke. Do we need to take you to the ER? I don't... I'm not gonna pay I can't pay take you to the bills. ER. I can't even walk right now. I know. The guy who plays Adam currently, who did play Superman. Brandon Routh. How can Brandon you remember this? Thank you. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Routh not, is yeah. the Kingdom Come Superman? Yes. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Dude. Crisis on Infinite Earth was so good. It really was. <sighs> Too bad I'm having a stroke trying to talk about it. I <laughs> <Apparently laughs> don't so. know God, what's going on really with me. Man. Oh, man. I don't know. I've just like... <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. I know. I do. All right, man. Okay. Well... I'm glad we brought the heat. We yeah. the thunder. We brought the
0: Hail Satan. Hail Satan. If nothing else.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, before I say any more dumb shit and continue to have a stroke mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast... I'm good to go. Jake, are you good? I'm good. Awesome sauce. Well. Go ahead. Can I do it? Yes, do it. Yeah. Do it. Bring that energy. That was Jake. My name is Dylan. I'm your favorite host. And we hope that we have left you too scared to sleep. Awesome.